Welcome to the new. Every experience with God's Word promises to be refreshing and transformational. Receive today's message with high expectations as it brings power, light, and a fresh anointing to your life. And without much ado, as it were, we have our mother in the house. Pastor May Jishesom, it is such an honor to have her in this house. So I want you to celebrate her with all your heart, all your might as she comes on stage. Thank you so much, Ma. Hallelujah. on okay it is on now okay all right glory be to jesus how about we make some noise like we are praising god very good how about we try that one more time and really raise the roof because we're praising god okay okay how about we do it a third and last time and really raise this roof this time Jesus, hallelujah. You may go ahead and have your seat. Amen, amen, amen. Um, I want to honor, first of all, um, the set man over this commission. Um, he sends his greetings, and that's my, uh, my husband. <laughs> I've been saying, dear pastors, why so much that wife is coming up to quickly in, on my tongue, but I want to just honor him this morning, and um, in the person of Dr. Olukayo Dejishasong, amen, and then I want to appreciate um, Pastor Shola Okodwa and his lovely wife, Mrs. Okodwa, and also Pastor Obi. Amen. And her husband and all the associates, uh, ministers in the house. Thank you for having me this morning. I want to appreciate you for being here in the house of God. Just appreciate yourself on my behalf. Glory be to Jesus. I'm very excited to be here. Um, I've been around for a few days now and the days have just sped by because I have been having such a wonderful time. Um, I actually came to launch a book and then to be a blessing to minister, but I wrote a book for pastor's wives, for people who have pastor's wives in their lives, for people who have people in leadership in their lives. And also for anyone who just wants to read a good story with a lot of gist in it. Um, I brought some copies with me this morning. Um, I would like for you to make a purchase to buy a copy because I really poured my heart and my life and my 22 years into this little piece. And uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Let me give you a quick tip. You may want to start with the epilogue you know, the epilogue is at the very end of the book. And just read the epilogue and let it ginger you for the rest of the book. Because if you are going to buy this book, I want to make sure you read it, okay? But the epilogue will really get you, get you excited. And then read the introduction. The introduction is great also. And all the chapters in between. Amen. All right. Are you ready for God's word this morning? All right, the theme of our, um, this time we have together is we are supernatural. And I'm going to be talking about, on that, that there's a lot we can say about us being supernatural, a whole lot. But on that, that I'm going to be talking about wearing the anointing well. Acts 10, 38 says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, 
who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. We could also read this, read that like this. Now, there's no translation of the Bible that reads it thus, so you could say it's a Pastor May rendition. Don't even call it translation. Amen. <laughs> but you could read Acts 10, 38, for, at least for the purpose of my message this morning as how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about being supernatural. Isaiah 8, 18 says, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts which dwells in Zion. Let's bow down our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for today. We thank you, God, for the hearing of your word that is going to bring liberty, it's going to bring change, it's going to bring a great freedom, it's going to bring a release into new levels. I ask, oh God, that you anoint my lips of clay and anoint the, hair, the ears that we hear the word this morning. Do something with your word that no man can do. Thank you, Holy Ghost, because you are here, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So how to, we have the, we have supernatural and wearing the anointing well. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And as I said, we could also say that how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about being supernatural. Just like Jesus, we are supernatural. We are supernatural beings. We have a supernatural calling upon our lives. We have a call to be supernatural. All right? So why the supernatural? We can see it in Acts 10, 38. Some of the reasons why we need to be supernatural. We can see from what Jesus did with what was put on him. The Bible says he went about doing good. So why the supernatural to do good? It says he went about healing those who were oppressed of the devil. Why the supernatural to heal the oppressed of the devil? And then finally that last phrase says, for God was with him. Why the supernatural? To show that God is with us. He is alive, amen, and he's still working. It's very important, especially in our days. It's always been important, but it's very important that God is demonstrated to be alive, you know. Maybe more so in the part of the world where I dwell, and increasingly so in this part of the world. There are too many things denying his existence. And too many things denying the fact that he wants to be involved in human activity, in human life. You know, um, Kenneth Hagin of Blessed Memory said many years ago, he was reading something that an agnostic had written. And the agnostic man said that, well, if God is a liar, I don't know if there's a God or not. And if he is, he's sure... Um, um, I'm trying to remember how we put it exactly, but basically, you know, it's like if he's alive, then he just doesn't care, you know. But as we dwell in the kind of world that we dwell in, it's becoming increasingly important that we who are called to be supernatural are indeed so. All right? In order that good, God kind of good can be done. The oppressed can be healed. When we talk about the oppressed being healed, we're not just talking about a physical ailment. That's part of it. But people are sick in so many ways and don't even realize it. Amen? How many people know what I'm talking about? <laughs> okay. And so that people can know that God is with us. 
Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me, has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to them that are bound. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to do all these things. And just like I summarized the first time from Acts 10.38, we could also summarize this and say that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to be supernatural. All right? The anointing is equipment to be supernatural. Now, the supernatural benefits me, you know, I mean, it benefits me to be a supernatural being in the sense that I don't have to be contained by the limitations of the world. When they, you go somewhere and they say no, you know that you have another realm you can tap into. Um, when the doctor says there's this going on in your body, you know that that's, you don't have to accept that report Why you are supernatural, meaning that you transcend this natural realm. Um, when, you know, they say everything is upside down, you know that there's a higher realm that you have access to. So the supernatural can and will benefit you. But also, it's supposed to flow from me to others for the benefit of others and principally for the benefit of the kingdom of God. Okay? So there's a benefit I have from being supernatural. There's a benefit people who come around me have from the fact that I am supernatural. You know, I tell God um, over and over again, I, I'm an ordinary human being. Without the anointing, there's nothing I have to offer that is more than the next guy or the next girl. Hmm? Especially as a minister of the gospel. More so as a minister of the gospel. But I want you to realize that even as a believer, every believer, what you have to offer that makes you to stand out. Thank you. Thank God for your intellect. Thank God for your background. Thank God for natural abilities that you may have. But the anointing sits upon whatever it is that God has given you the opportunity to have. Maybe it may be a natural ability. Maybe it may be the fact that, you know, you grew up a certain way which, which exposed you to certain privileges. Maybe it may be because you met certain people, you met um, certain friends that exposed you to, to things. And now you have um, certain skill sets, you have certain things at your disposal that give you natural advantages all well and good. But God wants to anoint whatever it is that you may have in the natural. Plus what you may not have in the natural. Amen. Principally for the benefit of the kingdom. Okay, We enjoy it. That's first phase. People around us enjoy it. That's second level. But the kingdom of God benefits. That's the ultimate. All right. So, as I said before, I am supernatural because, number one, I am anointed. The same way how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Ghost and with power. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. I am anointed. I am a new creation. John 3, 6 says that he that's of the world is of, is of the, let's, let's go there and read John 3, 6. John 3, 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You know, when you came into this world the first time, you were born of the flesh and you were only flesh. But then when you got born again, you became born of the spirit. All right? And in John 3, 6, we see Jesus making a, distinct, a, a distinguishing between the two. One which just born of the flesh is dead when it comes to the spirit realm. 
And then one who is born of the spirit, there are two different beings. One is a natural being, the other is a supernatural being. So by reason of the fact that you are born again, meaning you are born of the spirit, you are supernatural. Then number three, I am supernatural because I have governing principles from the word that work and give me an advantage in life. Okay. So I guess we could put it, it should probably be in this order. Number one, I am a new creation. That's what gives me the, you know, uh, the, the access into a supernatural lifestyle. Yeah, number two, I am anointed. Okay, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Then number three, as I walk in the word and walk the word, I have governing principles from God's word. You know God's word is supernatural. Jesus said something, this what I speak to you as spirit and our life. You see, that's why God's words are not the, the words of Jesus, the, the word of God as we see and we have access to in the Bible, they are not just natural words. They are supernatural words. And they are governing principles in this word that help us to live a supernatural lifestyle. Amen? I mean, when you go into your closet and say, no, 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 I'm the healed and not the sick. By stripes I have been healed. Right? When you say you fear no evil, when you take Psalm 91 and begin to declare it, those are governing principles the fact that you can even speak and expect those words to be superimposed on the natural and change natural things that's a governing principle from god's word you know when you look at scriptures like joshua 1 8 this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night Therein you shall observe how to do it and you shall have good success. The fact that I can take the word, meditate and begin to make my way and pass successful, it's not natural. Now people in the natural will try to take some of those things, some of those principles and try to make it work. In and they do have certain success, I mean levels of success with it. But the way this word works, the principles we have in it, the principle of confession, of praying in the spirit, Amen. I mean, how can you go? There's a confusing situation. You just lock yourself in, in a place for about 20 minutes and pray in the spirit and you see something on the inside. If you are not doing it, I'm giving you what you call orijo, right? I'm giving you um, 411. You are confused at work. Now, I'm not saying you should go to work stupid. I'm not saying you should leave your head at home, carry your head to work. But you're at work and you are confused. Oh, there's an opportunity and something is prompting you that that opportunity could be for you. You know, but you're like, there's something I should do. I'm not quite sure. You go lock yourself in the bathroom somewhere and pray in the spirit. Amen. I'm telling you, it's supernatural. There, It's governing principles from God's word that make us supernatural, right? But out of all these three areas, my focus today is the fact that you are anointed. All right, so I'm an, I am anointed. So we are anointed, but as I said, you can see, as I said in my topic for today, it's so important to wear that anointing well so that we have lasting impact. Impact that outlives and outlasts us. The anointing is supernatural enablement to minister, you know, you're a minister of the gospel, to minister. The anointing is supernatural enablement to be a great worker, to be an anointed worker, to be an anointed businessman, a businessman with a difference. Many years ago, I preached a message titled, The Anointing is for Doing Big Things. Amen. The anointing is for doing big things. And I guess that message must have been an impactful message because I, you know, I prayed many years ago, must have been over 10 years ago. And then probably about five years ago, I was in the UK and the person that was protocoling me, um, she was doing a PhD then. She said, do you remember we went to have lunch? And she said, do you remember this message you preached? 
called the anointing is for doing big things. And then she began to preach it to me and began to tell me how she was using it to get through her PhD program. So I told her that, ah, please, so, um, please send me that message. I think I need it. And then a couple of years ago in Chicago, one of our doctors came to meet me. And he said, do you remember that message? They anointed for doing big things. I said, please, I'm been asking for this message. One of you needs to send it to me. Because I want to do big things. Amen. But, I mean, this is PhD students, right? And this is a doctor. They are not, in, you know, per se, their nine to five is not ministry. But they were finding not just the fact that someone preached the message, but the content of that message on the anointing, relevant in the different spheres of influence they had. So the anointing is not just for Sunday. The anointing is for your nine to five. For some of us, it's from what? It's from our seven to to ten. <laughs> Man, work has gotten so busy these days. It's like the internet is supposed to make work easier, but it just means they can reach you anywhere and at any time. So <laughs> you have no excuse. You can't tell your boss, I didn't see that email. Amen. So, but it's important to wear that anointing well. That anointing is for us to live a supernatural lifestyle. And as we do so, just like Jesus made impact with the anointing on his life, we are supposed to make impact with the anointing on ours. We don't only want to make impact, but we want that impact to outlive us and outlast us. That is why we need to wear it well. In the Bible, we are told of two different people that were anointed for the same office at different times. One, we see... Um, Maybe he had impact for a while, but his impact kind of faded. The second one, we see his impact just continue throughout the Bible, even into the book of Revelations. And the two people I'm talking about are Saul and David. Saul and David were both anointed. In fact, Saul was the first person to ever be anointed as king over Israel. But you know what? David, even though he was the second to be anointed, had impacts that outlasted Saul. Letting me know that it's more than just being anointed. Right? Because if you are going to talk about somebody or talk about a position, the first person on the scene should be the most important, right? It should be the most famous. We should be talking about it and then say, oh, there were others right? For example, the first person on the moon, Neil Armstrong, you know, we know him to did something, nobody had done it before. So we talk about him. It's normal. It's natural. Who was the second person? I'm sure somebody who is interested in that field would know. But I don't know, you know. You can talk about the first, the first um, president of this country, the first president of the United States where I live, although you talk about others as well, but there's something about being the first, right? But in, the ca in this case, the first, yeah, he, he, we, we see that he was anointed, just like the second was anointed, but there was something about the second beyond being anointed that allowed him to outlast, the, the, his impact to outlast and outlive him. You know, David's name is mentioned about 1,100 times in the Bible. 1,100 times. Not just in the book where uh, his story is narrated, but it's, it's in the Old Testament. Is in the poetic writings, in the Psalms, in the Proverbs, in Ecclesiastes, in the prophets, in the Gospels, in the epistles, up until Revelation. Is mentioned by name. His name is used to um, describe attributes of things, of people, of places. Apart from just the name David, you hear about Jesus being referred to as the son of David. You hear about the throne of David, the house of David, the faithful mercies of David, the tabernacle of David, 
the seed of David, the key of David, the root of David, the offspring of David, all the way in Revelations chapter 22, verse 16. So this was definitely a king. Or oh, let's start with, it was a man. Or even let's go further, it was a boy anointed for a position. And he out, his impact in that position outlived and outlasted him. Was David supernatural? Definitely. How do you kill a bear with your bare hands? Or kill a lion in the same way? Or kill a Goliath who threatened a whole nation? How do you stand up in boldness and say that this uncircumcised Philistine will go the same way as the bear and the lion? It was supernatural. Amen. It wasn't just a natural king. But we see the root of his impact as a king in the anointing service that occurred that day in his father's house. Amen. So, it goes without in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, um, God told the prophet Samuel, said that go fill your horn with oil. I have chosen for myself, I've provided for myself a king and in the house of Jesse, the Lord told him I was going to do it so that he didn't raise too much suspicion and then he anointed David. It took a while for David to ascend the throne but if he was anointed for it, it was just a matter of time, he finally became king. We see the external part, what was done, the anointing, you know, uh, the things that happened. But there must have been more. And in the book of Psalms, chapter 131, from verse 1 to verse 3, we see a little bit more about what happened behind the scenes. And some of what we see here, they, they kind of give us an um, idea of what made David different. In Psalm 131 from verse 1, David begins to tell us something about a part of him that we don't see. He begins to tell us something about his heart. We don't see the heart of man, right? Unless I tell you what's in my heart, you, you may deduce that Maybe certain things, yeah, I mean, if someone is terribly wicked, they can probably kind of <laughs> deduce what's in that person's heart. But somebody can be kind, right? But what's on their heart is like, is rotten, amen? Although eventually it does come out, but many times we can't really say for sure. And that's why, this is just a, um, an aside here. That's why you shouldn't just judge people anyhow. You don't know what's in their heart. You shouldn't just judge people based on, you know, they did something and, and you don't know. And this age of social media just makes it easy for us to just judge, 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 judge. Amen? We don't know what's on people's heart. But in Psalm 131, we begin to see certain things about how David conducted the affairs of his heart. And that kind of gives us um, a glimpse into why he may have been different. David was the king that God called a man after his own heart. That's great accolade. Amen. And you know there's a way you can say my heart is great, my heart is great. And when I talk about the heart now, yes, I know you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing changes that. Amen. A message like this is not for condemnation. A message like this is for us to you know, as I said, to establish ourselves and conduct ourselves and um, continually grow in such a way that we can outlast and outlive and our impact can be lasting, you know. So it's one thing for me to say I have such a great heart. Oh, ah, man, hmm. just come and check my heart. It's so beautiful. It's like the Garden of Eden. It's another thing for God to say I agree. And I will include it in the Bible. So what am I saying? Even though David wrote this, we know God agreed. 
because he included it in his word, all right? So David could have been somewhere just hailing himself. And God is like, okay, great, great. Made you feel great for the day, fine for you. And it's next, we're passing that right up because <laughs> the guy's just, you know, hailing himself. But we see it in the Bible, so we must, uh, there must be truth to it. Let's open our Bibles to um, Psalm 131. Psalm 131. And we're going to start from verse 1. And we'll sit here in the last few minutes I have. From Psalm 131, verse 1 says, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty. Neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul, like a wind child with his mother, like a wind child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. Let's um, break that down. I start by saying, Lord, my heart is not haughty. In other words, my heart is not arrogant. It's not prideful, you know. And um, it, the accounts we have in um, First Samuel, Second Samuel, and the Chronicles kind of proves this. That, you know, by the time David showed up at that battlefield, right, and Goliath was there and everything, you know he had killed a bear and a lion with his bare hands. But you know what? Something tells me that he probably didn't tell anyone. Why? If somebody, look, everyone is hiding. Eh? This is beyond our ability. We're hiding. This guy is harassing us. This, this army is harassing us. Would we leave the guy who killed a lion and a bear with his bare hands at home, feeding the few sheep, if we knew? No, we wouldn't. The reason why we kept, we kept him in that lowly position is because we had no idea what was going on in the back end. So God was doing things in David's life in the back end. But he was able to keep himself cool, keep his head on his shoulders, keep his head straight until the time it was required for that to be lauded in front of everyone. Yeah, and I know I would have been tempted. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that I've been able, I would have been able to keep it quiet, keep it to myself. That day, everyone in the house will know. <laughs> Amen. Glory be to Jesus. Uh, somebody wants to mess with me. Like the brother that was like, what, wh where have you left those few sheep? Amen. Why don't you show me, you know, what you done? I killed a lion. I killed a bear with my bare hands. What, are, what? What? Is it because you are tall? What have you done with your height? <laughs> but this man, no wonder God respected him. This is the boy that they had an anointing service. They left him on the field, forgot about him. I'm like, Jesse, how many kids do you have? You have eight. You forgot one. Uh -uh. One, two, three. Even in your, the fingers on your two hands, you know, the kids you have don't, um, you know, use up. By the time you count them, you still have two more fingers left. And you forgot him. This is a boy that after they forgot him, the the prophet said, we are not doing anything until he comes. And they all had to wait until he came here. And in front of everyone, the great prophet in the land poured oil on him. And he finishes and goes back to watch the ship, waiting for God's timing. So when 
David said, my heart is not haughty. And it's very important because where God is taking us to is far. But many times we just taste a bit of it. Amen? I'm just talking about the human nature. We just taste a bit of it and we run with it. I mean, we should run. There's a part of us that should always be moving forward. But we should pay attention to this. We should pay attention to that thing in us that doesn't want to keep up with God's pace. Or God, God's pace. More so, as far as the condition of our hearts are concerned. Apparently, it's important to God. Amen? The Bible says man sees the outside. God sees the heart. He sees the inside. So he said that my heart is not haughty. And he says, no, my eyes lofty. I'm not looking at things that, you know, are of grandiose, you know, out of this world level that I have no business doing. Because those things can be a distraction. If his eyes had been lofty, some um, Saul that had already been dethroned by God would not have been able to call him and say, play for me until this evil spirit departs. He knew he was taking this man's place. He knew an anointing service had taken place in his father's house. Meaning that Saul was just there, was a figurehead. As far as God was concerned, the crown had shifted. And David knew where the crown was sitting. But yet, his eyes were not lofty. He was still able to humble himself to serve the current king. Now, part of that shows the respect that David had for the anointing on Saul's life. He was anointed, but he needed to respect the anointing. Or as if I don't count the anointing as anything on someone else's life, why should it be anything on my life, right? If the person who is there and is anointed, I treat that anointing like it doesn't matter. Why? Because now I'm lofty, my eyes are lofty, my heart is haughty. Why should, when I get there, why should people count it as anything? David respected that anointing on Saul's life so much that when a guy came to tell him that I killed Saul, you know, the guy just killed him. He just, he just, um, uh, um, you know, um, just incriminated himself and did himself in because he didn't kill Saul, right? If you read the account, Saul was wounded. He didn't want the Philistines to get a hold of him and they knew they would abuse him and torture him. So he asked the guy, not the guy that reported, this guy must have been hiding so we've seen everything happen. So I asked the guy, he said, kill me, you know, kill me lest I fall into the hands of the Philistines. And the guy said, I can't kill you. So Saul committed suicide. He, he finished the job himself. He killed, he fell on his own sword. At the end of the day, the guy had asked, killed himself as well. But this guy, thinking that he would get star, right? Because everybody knew that David was Saul's enemy and that Saul had been trying to kill David. So the guy probably thought that, ah, now that the king is dead, David, if he becomes the second king, I won't sit on his cabinet, right? So he runs to David and says that, well, Saul, when I, I like the way he kind of edged his bet a bit. So he said uh, he was, you know, already wounded. He was, looked like he was going to die anyway, but I finished the job, okay? I killed him. And Saul, David said, let me paraphrase. And you don't find that too big for your mouth to say that you took your hand and killed the Lord's anointed. The guy ended up losing his life. All right? I may not completely agree with David's methods, but <laughs> it just shows the level of reverence that David gave to the one who had gone before him. 
Some of us want to ascend to our boss's position, but the way we treat that boss, you know, you come home and talk about him anyhow to your spouse. You say, it's just me and my spouse. We're just talking. You don't respect. You have no respect whatsoever. Maybe you are doing eye service, but you have no respect whatsoever for the one who is currently graced for that position. But you want his position. You want her position. Yet you are the one bad-mouthing her all over the place. It's not good, though. <laughs> it's a haughty heart and lofty eyes. Hmm? So David said that I do not have, my heart is not haughty and my eyes are not lofty. He goes on to say that neither do I concern myself with great matters. Let's see the way the message translation puts it. The message translation says, I haven't meddled where I have no business. There's such a thing as minding your own business. If you want your impact to last. Amen. It's not everything we are called to judge, to put mouth in and express an opinion about. said I, I've minded my own business. I mean, yeah, while Saul was doing all this nonsense, I saw it, but I just minded my own business. See, these issues of the heart are things we pay attention to for the sake of God, for the, an audience of one. For an audience of one. We are tempted. I'm tempted many times to get pulled into things judge a situation, pulled into conversation, you know, judge something that you have no, it's not your business. That's how people just align themselves with different parties when, and that way they, they cut themselves off from relationships and resources that should be available to them. You have decided you are going to side B. And God knows that A is your helper of destiny. But you've caught yourself from a overbeast matter that doesn't concern you. You know, there's a way you can be there for B without, I'm not saying play politics, but I'm just saying having this thing in our hearts where when we are being pulled to, you know, be part of things that are not, like God has not brought you, made you close enough to the situation to have an opinion that counts. There's something that are just out of our purview. They're just out of our arena. God has no brother. There's a reason. You're not at the center of it. You're not in the middle of it. You're just peripheral. And you must enter. <laughs> and you know, you too, you must say, me too, I'm here. I'm here. Your me too, I'm here today could be compromising you tomorrow. There's some things you just be quiet. You don't have to act on everything. You don't have to act on every impulse. You don't have to. Especially in this our generation where something that's happening in Timbuktu somewhere, we feel like we're part of it. They say it's burning up in the, apart from prayer. And if you're a politician or you're a humanitarian person, you know, there are some things that are not just that much our business. So you have five minutes of gist time, or even one hour. You enjoyed the gist. You enjoyed it thoroughly. But you've compromised something. And the sad thing is you may never know. You may not, never know enough to even correct, do a course correction, do a, you know, um, rescue the, the situation, you know, say, ha, 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 no, I didn't mean it, though. It's the air by head that day that was just, you know, messing up my stomach one time, one, one, some kind of way. I had the wrong thing. I had stomach diarrhea, stomach flu. You have no way of explaining because you never even, never even comes to your attention that some business I got involved in that I had no business with. It's what's affecting me now. 
David said, I don't, I don't consider matters that beyond me. In other words, things that are out of my zone, out of my area, I don't stick myself into it. And let other people's business be other people's business. If I can contribute um, in a significant way, in a way that benefits humanity, <laughs> benefits the kingdom, in a way that the anointing on my life can be beneficial, I will. But if I can't, mm, I just listen to you. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. You know? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. At the end of the day, when they are going to quote me, oh, wow. Wow could mean anything. Then she said, oh, wow. Mm, then she said, oh, wow. And then she said, oh, wow. So what? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> oh, you know, I mean, these are things that help us to last. These are things that help us to last. And um, I, as I said, you know, earlier on in my message, that these are not things to condemn us. For example, maybe yesterday night you still poked your nose into something that wasn't your business. It's not to condemn you, right? It's for us to see, you know, some of these things that we now begin to walk in and strive for. Hmm? And when we are tempted, some things that we should resist getting involved in. Because I come here and preach this. I may still kind of miss it in a couple of days' time, you know. But it's good to catch ourselves and to let the Holy Spirit help us to catch ourselves when matters of the heart are concerned. Hmm? Because I, I believe that paying attention to these matters of the heart is part of our work in consecration. And the consecration works hand in hand with the anointing. Eh? Consecration is making certain decisions in places where only God can see. And the God who sees in secret is the one who rewards openly. There are some decisions we make out of consecration that man may never see. But the one who sees is the one who rewards openly. Now, I have another. That's why I said you should read that last um, chapter first when you get the book. I end that chapter by saying that I am going to write, I'm writing a book on consecrated career and I will release it soon. I had to put that statement there so that I will walk towards that. But I want you to read about that and see certain things. I talked about some things about consecration. I think it was, maybe it was in Ikeja last week at Kingsword. Ikeja about the fact that we should live consecrated lives, but to reap the rewards of consecration, our faith needs to be involved. Okay? So for some people, the rewards of consecration are just hanging like fruits over their life. But they feel like just because, just because I've served, just because I've made sacrifices, just because I've done all these things, automatically the rewards will fall. And there are some of those rewards that do but many times to, to translate things from the spirit realm to the spirit to the physical realm, we need faith as the sickle. Okay? Our faith is the sickle that draws in the harvest. Alright? So that's very important with consecration. But I want to leave us with this that we don't get here overnight. It's a process of growth. And that's what you call spiritual maturity. Right? Spiritual growth, spiritual maturity. That we are growing in these things that pertain to the heart. You know? You know when it's difficult for you to refrain from certain things that you would naturally want to do. And you're like, no. And Father, help me. He helps you through it. You move on. To everybody else, nothing happened. But between you and God, you know something happened. You know how difficult it is to do something and you did not want to. Maybe somebody hurt you and you admit, ah, I'm going to get them back. I'm going to get them back. 
And then the Holy Spirit checks you. He checks your heart. And you're like, okay, Lord, help me. The Lord helps you. Nobody sees it. But God sees it. Yeah? And then there come seasons where the words of our consecration are hanging over it. You sense it. You sense, okay, I need to see. I have just one minute, one and a half minutes left. See, the reason why you should pay attention to the issues of your heart is that when you're, you keep your heart free of clutter, you'll be able to perceive things more easily. You can perceive seasons. This is a season of reward. Okay, let me intensify my confession. Let me intensify my sowing, maybe. Let me intensify my honor, right? God will begin to show you, intensify this, intensify that. It's not for just any season, but for that season. And you are able to pick up signals more easily. Really. That's really, at the end of the day, that's being supernatural, really. Living sensitive to a realm that's beyond this realm. There are some things that are easier in certain seasons than others. And being having a heart free of clutter will help you to be sensitive to those different seasons. Amen? Have you learned something today? Let's rise up to our feet. Glory be to Jesus. And I want you to talk to God. The few seconds I have left. Just talk to God about something you heard today. Maybe something he impressed upon your heart. Something he brought your attention to. Just close your eyes. Everybody here should be closing their eyes. Should have their eyes closed talking to God about something in that message. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory be to Jesus. We hope you were greatly blessed by today's message because God still has so much He wants to share with you. So stay connected every week to experience uplifting and life-changing moments in His presence.